welcome back to On The Rocks with Ash and Kiki. Today, this is my contractual solo session. It's Ashley, and I am finally going to be able to start our reviews and catch-up sessions on Run The World, a Star's original series. We're going to go ahead and get started. First things first, let's get into these characters. So we have Ella. Ella is a journalist. Ella has an interesting introduction to this episode, in my opinion. We find out that Ella has kind of been out of the game for a while, career-wise. Apparently, Ella wrote a book. (laughs) The book did not go over well. It did horrible sales. Her publisher ended up dropping her, and now she has reemerged to be a phoenix who has risen from the ashes, and she is rebooting her journalism career with a digital media outlet um, as, I guess, like their, one of their contributors for music and culture. So this is where we have Ella. Then we have Renee. Renee is an advertising executive, I believe advertising or marketing, one of the two, she is the firecracker of the group in my opinion i feel like in the path in the three episodes that we'll see thus far renee is definitely the comedic relief but also oh excuse me she has a tendency for being very blunt and i say that to make sure i identify that she is blunt but i do not believe that it is like with bad intention i just feel like she's very much a cut and dry person who thinks it's necessary to like you know be very realistic about what's happening she's my favorite out of the four then we have sandy sandy is an academic she is a phd candidate for an african-american studies doctorate and i feel like sandy is dr angela davis dr maya angelou and tony morrison all rolled up into one she is smart she is a womanist feminist but also she has a very interesting love life she is dating slash in love with her thesis advisor so that should be something interesting as these episodes progress and then we have whitney Whitney is an investment banker, but she's also engaged to a doctor named Ola Ola BC for long. And when we get introduced to Whitney, we see that she is balancing being a power, like a force of nature in her career as an investment banker. But she's also trying to figure out how to be a good fiance and, you know, balance her ambition with what her husband wants her or her fiance wants her to do as well as her mother something interesting about the four characters is that they have all been friends since childhood and they went to college together i believe i believe they all went to spelman but ultimately we figure out that it might be jack and jill it might be some type of links or boulet or some type of upper echelon black people organization either way they have been friends for such a long time but their mothers all made sure that they have been together under the premise of you know black excellence so we will see what adventures these four get into as we progress in today's episode Episode one and episode two, I don't want to say they're slow. They start off slow, but you know, a lot of the plot points I feel like aren't like super dramatic. So we're going to try and breeze through them for the most part because the first two episodes focus on two characters each, in my opinion. I don't feel like they really address everything that's going on with all four of the characters but basically episode one we open in red rooster in harlem i forget the name of the man 
who owns a red rooster. I know that he is Somalian and he won Top Chef. I forget his name, but he's wonderful. He's there. He makes a cameo. And also Bevy Smith, aka my fairy godmother in my head. She makes a cameo as well. They're all enjoying life, I guess, getting ready to celebrate something. And then cut to the next morning. Ella is clearly hungover as fuck. And Renee calls and says, girl, it's your first day at your new job. You kind of got to get it together. So we see that Ella is getting back. And so, like I said, she's getting back in to the journalism game. Renee is at the bodega dealing with a colonizing gentrifier princess. I believe that's what she called. She says, she recites phenomenal woman. When the woman tries to take, well, the white woman tries to take her um, chopped cheese from the bodega. And I feel like that is very much a phenomenal woman offense. And also anyone who can just randomly quote (laughs) black feminist literature is okay with me. We see Whitney is doing that typical, you know, career person thing. She's on the Peloton. She's also making plans with her mom about the guest list. And she's also talking to her assistant to make sure that the resident white boy fuck up at the company actually pulls his weight. And then we find Sandy. So Sandy is doing the horizontal twister with her boyfriend, Matt. And then all of a sudden, we hear a little knock at the door, and Matt's daughter, Amari, is like, good morning, y'all. I'm awake. So, you know, if y'all could just keep your little clandestine actions on mute, (laughs) they wake up, you know, they get breakfast ready. Amari and Sandy's relationship is really cute. It's very clear that while Sandy is not her mother, she has definitely taken over the role as, you know, the woman figure. And she takes an interest in what Amari wants to do. So Amari is currently taking ballet classes and Sandy in all of her pro-black woman glory gets Amari um, some brown nude ballet slippers. And Matt's like, I think we shouldn't put a lot of pressure on her to make this about race. She should just enjoy it as a six-year-old. So Ella gets to her first day the digital outlet is called hot tea digest and it is run by a woman named barb aka erica alexander aka maxine shaw attorney at law which i think is pretty much perfect because yvette lee bowser browser bowser browser sorry yvette lee browser and erica alexander teaming up again since living single that's obviously pretty like that's a recipe for a pretty successful project barb explains to ella that she really has to be able to adapt which i think is very sound advice from a mentor she tells her the game is all about being able to reinvent yourself and understand that sometimes life is different and you just really need to be able to pivot and she puts ella on assignment for a soldier boy <laughs> release party and we're gonna see just how crazy that gets now, Sandy shows up at Amari's ballet recital or her ballet practice. There was a lot of stuff going on in this scene. Basically, the mothers of the other girls meet Sandy and are like, oh my God, are you her mom? Blah, blah, blah. And Sandy's like, no, um, she's my boyfriend's daughter, but he and I aren't like super official or like we don't like she's like we live together but I still have my own place because I'm a woman of the you know the new age and the moms are just looking at her like okay word vomit so (laughs) Sandy goes to give the check to the headmistress the headmistress of the ballet school or the director she makes this weird comment about the tuition being late she also recommends that Amari um, apply for a scholarship. <laughs> Sandy is very much like her father is not going for that. And then she hands her a nutrition pamphlet to give to Amari because they feel like because she's black, if she's going to have any success as a ballerina, she's going to have to do things differently because of her body. 
Sandy has had it. And <laughs> she's like, you know what? I'm going to take this check back. We won't be going here. She pulls Amari out of the ballet school. And in this scene, Amari kind of just like looks like, okay, I guess we're going home. It doesn't really seem like very much of a big deal. Fast forward, we are now at a bar. The bartender slash waitress is named Sharice. And she has these really huge boobs. <laughs> but <laughs> And Renee makes a note of it. And, you know, once again, she's providing this comedic relief. Whitney is having what I call good girl regret. She's basically saying, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm planning this wedding that technically isn't my wedding anymore. We find out her fiance is Nigerian. So this wedding is a big deal to him, his 15 aunt. But also her mother has gotten a bit involved with it as she feels like she needs to make sure that all of her church friends and her society friends are there as well. And we just see Whitney kind of spin out. Whitney's character very much gives me light-skinned black woman stereotype. And I'm not sure how I feel about that because I just feel like we have enough of that. Like, literally, we have Whitley from a different world. But at the same time, I feel like there's some texture to her. And I'm hoping that as we explore the show, we can kind of see what is lurking below the surface. The scene kind of, like, compounds with this conversation about the fish option. Basically, Whitney is saying that everyone's so excited for Branzino. And she goes on this whole rant about how Branzino is basic. But because white men in New York who are chefs have told you it's supposed to be good, all of a sudden you think it's good. But she's like, in reality, it's just basic tilapia. And the friend group quickly realizes this is not about the fish option anymore. <laughs> so, you know, do with that information what you will. Ella invites Whitney and Renee to the Soldier Boy listening party with her. And Sandy goes to meet Matt at a talk. <sighs> okay, what? Oh, yeah. So they get to the club, and this scene where they like walk into the club. Oh my God, perfect cinematography. Um, whoever is doing the costume design for this show chef's kiss you get an a plus plus it is fantastic so yeah they walk into this party um whitney's like i'm gonna go get a drink and renee is like ella i want to go with you i want to meet soldier boy they go to vip ella apparently sees one of her old co-workers and after a second you think ella's just gonna go ahead do the interview and be done But then the bodyguard, who has been like really rude to them since they got there, tells them that they are too old to be in VIP and that Soldier Boy screens the women who enter his VIP section. Nope, this is is fiction, just in case any of Soldier Boy's people are listening and, you know, trying to be funny. Um, Renee is very much like, well, fuck you too then. Once again, Renee is me. And Renee's like, well, fine, I'm going to go shake my ass on the dance floor. We walk up and see Ella is looking for Whitney. She finds Whitney at the bar with this guy who they um, refer to as Community Peen, but his name is Chris Cabrera. Either way, Chris is very much... He screams lame to me. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but Chris just seems very lame. But I also think that's because he's community peen and he's just not impressive. But Whitney is just soaking up all this attention. Ella's like, girl, that is nothing to be excited over. Community peen will drool over anyone. Like, it's not a big deal. And Whitney's like, girl, whatever. I'm just enjoying myself. Uh, We cut to a scene where Sandy walks in and I guess like she walks in the talk walks in on the talk that Matt is giving like we said Matt is her thesis advisor so he already you know has a well established career in academia and you know he introduces Sandy to everyone and then they have a conversation where he says that Amari was embarrassed that she pulled her out of the um that she pulled her out of the ballet school. And apparently Sandy's like, she needs to be learning this lesson early, that she is not the same as those little white girls. And the sooner she learns that lesson from 
in a controlled environment, the better off she will be. Matt feels like Sandy is pushing too hard and she's kind of invading boundaries. And Sandy's like, well, I'm raising another woman's child. So I think I have a right to, you know, enforce some boundaries myself. And Matthew kind of reminds me of Alexander Petrovsky, but like in a non-abusive, narcissistic way. Yeah. <laughs> so we get back to the club and Ella sees this guy she knows and it turns out his name is Anderson. Anderson is a ghost, but he is also Satan. And we find out from Renee that Anderson basically disappeared on Ella and he went to a he went out of the country and you know he went ghost and pretty much the friend group hates him renee is completely me whenever one of my friends break up breaks up with someone like sir you are dead we have had a funeral for you and if we see you again in person more than likely something is going to get thrown at you but renee lets it slide um, Ella, of course, to try and get over the shock of seeing him, she ends up meeting up with a guy from the VIP section who she used to work with, and they head to Washington Heights so she can have her some revenge sex. However, it just doesn't work out. Uh, journalist dude, not only does he have whiskey dick, which means he's so drunk that his dick cannot cooperate, he also has a bed on the floor. He doesn't have a bed frame. So Ella, feeling defeated, leaves and she goes to Sandy's apartment and she just basically tells Sandy that like, you know, I feel like my life is over at 31. Sandy tells her in the rule of life is a romantic comedy, specifically our life is sex in the city. You look for someone who is tall, rich and has a driver. Anderson, nor the journalist dude, meet those qualities so she tells her in the meantime consider dating dudes who are 35 and older which i feel like that's rich coming from sandy because you complaining about how this man had you playing mommy to his child but i digress and ultimately um sandy reminds her that as a black woman you got to keep your eye on the prize and that is world domination and in this exact moment, we see that Ella ended up writing an article about the Soldier Boy VIP incident, and it is getting major traction on the internet. And finally, what I feel is like pretty much <laughs> the sprinkles on top of a shit cupcake. We find out that not only did Whitney go home with the community peeing dude she slept with him and uh yeah we'll see where that takes us for episode two so i'm gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back all right we're now on to episode two so episodes two starts off very interesting basically <laughs> Renee is riding her husband Jason and she's doing the whole little cowgirl thing and she decides to try and do a reverse cowgirl without dismounting but in the process she basically kicks Jason in the face and um, almost dislocates his nose and we get to this place where I feel like Jason and Renee aren't on the best of terms for them to be married. So, yeah, there's that. Um, we revisit Sandy. I guess her and Matthew have made up because she and Ella are walking through the park. And Sandy just has on these sunglasses. She's like, you know, it was a late night. You know, a sunglasses and Advil kind of night. And all of a sudden, this random white man... <laughs> rides on a bicycle he screams niggers um i'm not really sure i'm not really sure what purpose that served <laughs> but ella and sandy laugh at it and then they go catch a cab and you know that that's that's the end of that for them and so we are now fully into the episode title credits roll we meet Ola, aka Ola BC, 
and we see that Ola is a doctor. Whitney apparently is working on a Saturday, which what the fuck, bro? Um, they're talking about how Ola's family, two of his aunts from Nigeria, are coming into the coming into the city, and they're hoping to meet Whitney. And you know, Ola's like, you know, you're notorious for being late. Please be on time. It is important that we make a good impression. Whitney's like, of course, like, you know, leave it alone. And so she hangs up and Whitney's assistant, I believe her name is Rada. Rada is a sweetheart. Rada and this, once again, mediocre white man, (laughs) Chad, they come in and they're talking about how they're getting ready for this IPO. Whitney's boss comes in and says that a very important client who's getting ready to take his company public has randomly decided to come in town and he wants Whitney to show him around. Whitney tells her boss that she has something to do for her wedding and her boss is like, well, the person acts for you so you're just going to have to figure it out. And Whitney's like, I got it. So we see that, you know, Whitney is very committed to making sure that she is successful in her career. Also, this scene was interesting because white boy Chad feels the need to say that Whitney's kind of like falling into the stereotypical boss babe (laughs) mentality. So he's like, oh, where are you vacationing at? Bora Bora, (laughs) something stereotypical, like tropical. And she's like, eh, the Maldives, which I'm just like, oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) So apparently that's like a sign that she is falling deep into the stereotype. And Chad bets her that she will come back to work already pregnant after she leaves her honeymoon and she will last all of three months after being married before she gets rid of her job and she becomes the stay-at-home wife to a rich doctor for a husband. Rada says that it's not the process that Whitney has to take and she's like hey you know there's so many (laughs) she's like you know there's been so many advances infertility and you know reproductive technology she can come back anytime she wants after the baby she can breastfeed and Whitney just kind of looks mortified like who said that I was going to immediately get knocked up but I digress (laughs) so we get to another scene and Renee Ella and Sandy are at the bar and there is an Australian bartender who is just super cute and he's kind of like oh we're gonna have some mimosas and Renee is like nah let's go we're gonna start off with some gin martinis and basically Renee explains that she and Jason are officially getting a divorce apparently they have been going through problems for a while but ultimately she was like I tried to make it work and it just isn't working and we kind of go into a flashback of what happened after Renee kicked him in the face. Basically, Jason is an asshole. I'm sorry. I I feel like we're, as the audience and viewers, are supposed to feel sorry for Jason, but I don't feel sorry for him at all. Um, Jason feels like, um, oh yeah, Renee calls him a pussy because he left his job in private equity to manage an undiscovered band and you know Renee's just very much like you're a pussy you quit your job you don't have anything else lined up but also you are depending on me so what you want in this relationship is no longer valid because I pay for everything and they kind of just start going back and forth at it back in the present Ella is flirting hella hard with Australian Bay and she's very much like I would like to go down under and explore your great barrier reef um Renee is like girl you can be a hoe later on right now we have to you know get me through this so (laughs) Renee just very fed the fuck up this morning Sandy says that white men are fleshier um, I don't know. I know what that means, but I 
I don't know if that to be true. Um, if you're a listener, anyone who has had, if you're a black woman who has had sex with both black and white men, um, please let me know. Feel free to DM me on IG or Twitter and, and expound upon the difference between the anatomies of, you know, our black and white counterparts. Renee gets a FaceTime from Whitney, and Whitney's like, I'm stuck at work, otherwise I would be there. Whitney <laughs> Whitney is very much trying to be present, but she also recognizes that, you know, Renee is a little upset. So Renee tells her, I don't have time to worry about your bougie Barbie shit, and they quote Clueless, <laughs> Whitney's like a way harsh tie, and that cracked me up. And for the most part, Renee's just like, if you can't be here physically, you just can't be here at all. But today is about me. So we flash back to Renee and Jason arguing in the apartment. And Renee tells Jason, she feels like you keep talking about these gender roles. Only one of us is making money. Therefore, you know, we really don't have to worry about gender roles. Like at this point, I'm the one keeping us afloat, so I should be able to do what I want to do. I feel like anytime you talk about marriage and money, it's always kind of, you know, a power dynamic. But also with black men and, you know, black women who are the breadwinners, you know, yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. So we get back to the bar and finally, Ella asks, what the fuck is Sandy doing with these glasses on? And we find out that it's not that Sandy and Matt had some wild makeup sex. They actually, you know, got a little crazy in the bedroom. And, you know, she was licking on the gooch. And he ended up farting in her face. And because he farted in her face, she now has pink eye. And I think Renee ends up calling it stink eye. I thought that was hilarious. They had this brief conversation with the bartender. And he's like, it's the taint. And, oh yeah, Ella's like, Cosmo called it the perineum. And she says it's an invisible, you know, strip of real estate between the asshole and the balls. And the bartender's like, that is the taint. They're like, that's some white people shit. And I'm like perineum is some or perineum whatever it is is some white people shit it is called the taint or the gooch like what who wrote this but anywho's um we get to Whitney at dinner with her client her client is fawning over her about how much he loves her and how he will trust her anything with anything that she says in business and lo and behold Olaf facetimes Whitney to ask where she is at, where she's at. Um, Olaf FaceTiming Whitney in front of his aunts was not a good look. I feel like, and Kiki talked about this in her Ready to Love um, review. If you are around friends or family, even if you disagree with your partner, your job is to protect your partner from the disapproval or the opinions of those other people. Y'all should handle that in private. So I kind of got, you know, a little irritated vibe from Olaf for doing that. And, you know, we'll deal with him later. We get back to Jason and Renee, and he's talking about how it's the plight of the black man. And, you know, slavery is the reason why Renee feels like they have to be the Barack and the Michelle um Renee is very educated she has a MBA from Wharton as we also know she has a bachelor's degree from Spelman so she's a very accomplished girl meanwhile Jason he has his master's his MBA from Stanford so she's like you know we are these degreed couple this big degree couple and she's like you know if you don't care about your education why are we still paying on your student loans like if it's so if, it, if your education does not matter, why are we paying these student loans back? Um, he basically tells her that she needs to let the Barack and Michelle reference go because she's nowhere near Michelle. And I was like, Renee, slap him. Like, at this point, you just got to go off on his ass. And she basically says that, you know, at this point, you cannot blame slavery or any other thing with black couples on this on like on us you can't blame it on me 
the nonverbal work that Renee does in this scene. Chef's kiss. Brisha, you are hilarious. And finally, Jason admits that he has taken all of their money that they invested and he put it into the band. Basically, they have been investing their money together. And ultimately, when Jason quit his job, Renee was investing the bulk of that money. And it's basically gone because he has spent it floating the band with, um, you know, studio time, the rent at their apartments. And Renee is mortified because she's like, bruh, what the fuck? And I just feel like that is irresponsible. Jason keeps saying it's our money, but he also keeps saying that he feels intimidated that Renee always, you know, reminds him that they both contributed but the reality is if renee put in the bulk of the money it is technically her money so yeah their their marriage is over we fast forward (laughs) to whitney is now at the club with her client rada and chad and rada has disappeared somewhere and we find out rada's in the bathroom she ate molly like she is just like done so Whitney's like perfect if I can take Whitney home I mean if I can take Rada home that's the perfect excuse to get out of this business thing and she tells Ola she's like okay I'm coming Ola's like don't worry about it take your ass home and we get back to the bar Renee says that she's really upset that her marriage has ended And Ella's like, well, you know, maybe he's just having a Kanye moment. And Renee is like, he does not have Kanye talent. Renee, I like that. All of a sudden, some Hall Hail and Oats comes on. And Renee just collapses on the floor. She's like, oh my God, my marriage is over. This is bullshit. (laughs) Ella is like, oh my God, Renee, get up. But also tells Sandy, hey, you know, while you handle this, I'm going to go, you know, take a breath down under. And as Sandy is helping her up, you know, Renee just says, you know, I worked really hard, not only in my personal life, but also in my professional life. And I did not sign up to be in a situation and specifically in a marriage like this. And quite frankly, I can't blame Renee. Like if you both go into the relationship saying that these are the goals you have set for each other, and it sounds like... Jason kind of just did what he wanted and felt like Renee had to hop on board because she was his wife. And it's kind of sad, but, you know, I'm one of those people. I believe, you know, divorce is there for a reason. So if it happens, it happens. Uh, Ella ends up waiting for Colin's shift to be over and Colin takes her dancing, but they have to get on his bike to get there. Ella's just like got the stank face and Colin's like, but here, I got you a helmet. And he's just so adorable. But Ella just cannot get with the white boy. So, you know, they're fucking in the process of doing the do. And she's trying to grip his hair, but he's got hair gel, which white people use hair gel. Ella, it's not that big of a deal. And then, you know, he's in the process of you know really getting into it and Ella's just like he keeps saying cock and Ella can't handle it so yeah mid-stroke Ella hops off and she's like I can't do this next thing we know we are at the hotel or no they're at Whitney's apartment and Whitney tells them that she thinks that she should not be getting married and Renee, Sandy, and Ella all look at her like bitch are you fucking crazy and that is where we leave off with episode two Anderson, which, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, Anderson, Ola, and Jason are at a bar. They've met up to watch some sports ball program on television. Um, Ola and Jason are both very much like, wow, what you doing back? 
um, are you going to try, you know, get back with Ella? And Jason explains, like, you have to understand, Renee is very upset with you. However, that is none of my business anymore because Renee and I are getting a divorce. Anderson's like, damn, man, that sucks. Um, Ola is like, I don't see why we have to talk about this. And Anderson's like, no, I think it's important for black men to be able to get their feelings out. All of a sudden, this big booty bitch walks by. And I say bitch as a beautiful individual that creates haters. And, um, they start dapping up some guy. And it turns out the guy they're dapping up is community peeing Chris. Oh, excuse me. So, Chris is just like, yeah, y'all see that. You know, she fine. Ola's like, I'm not actually gonna look. I'm engaged. And Chris nicknamed him Black Love, which... (sighs) Community Pete is so fucking lame. I can't explain it. So, (laughs) Jason goes into this whole diatribe about um, Black men being the prize. And I'm like, you are about to be divorced and broke and jobless but you think you're the prize ola and anderson quickly check him and say nah bro you do not fit the description please please vacate the premises and we have now officially opened up the show ella is walking and renee calls her to sing happy birthday first of all renee in this happy birthday rendition is fucking hilarious reason number 364 why renee is my favorite um ella is just basically like basically saying like i peaked at 29 so my 32nd birthday is not a big deal and renee tells her girl whatever figure it out and she hangs up the phone we finally find out in this episode that renee is a um she's an ad executive and a marketing you know person so technically we didn't know what renee did in the first two episodes like legit everyone else was talking about their careers and we just did not know what renee did but we see that renee is basically the right hand woman to this lady named abby and there is a scene where renee talks about how the brand that they're doing a photo shoot for really could tap into the african-american market specifically african-american women because black women have had a spiked awareness and wellness and health and she feels like this is an untapped market we see that abby is looking at her like renee and where i worried that this was going to be a stereotypical like the white woman is unimpressed abby quickly says you do not have to sell me you and i have been working together since day one i know what you're capable of i'll talk to the person on the account and we'll get everything situated renee has a very solid piece of advice because abby is worried that the career transition because she's gonna recommend her for the vice president of brand strategy And Abby's just worried that Renee getting a divorce might not be the most convenient personal life occurrence. Renee tells her that the only direction is straight ahead. And that's what her grandfather told her. Abby's like, I feel you. And she says the best way to get over one man is to get on a private jet with another one. Abby's funny as hell. And Renee's like, so is grandpa single? very very on brand was something that renee would say so we are now on to ola and whitney i guess they have made up and you know ola has forgiven whitney for missing family dinner he tells her that they want to look at the registry and apparently ola put on the registry that he wanted a treadmill and whitney's like you can't ask people to pay for that Ola's like, well, what about the fact that you asked for a Dutch oven? Whitney's like, you don't even know what a Dutch oven does. And somehow this conversation segues into the talk about kids. Apparently apparently Ola wants four kids. Whitney was like, fuck the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean four children? And then he begins to start talking to her belly in the voice of what their fetus would sound like. And it's very, it's very, it's a very big turn off, but somehow they end up, you know, doing the do anyway. And I'm just like, wow, niggas, I guess, whatever, like men are just, 
un- blissfully unaware. I don't know how to explain it. But we get to a new scene and Ella is doing a press junket where she's covering some movie, some black romantic comedy. She runs into old boy from the Soldier Boy party. He is embarrassed, but Ella's a good sport about it. And she tells him that, you know, think about it. You've been trying to fuck me for eight years and you finally got your chance. Like, you know, look at it as a win. And you can see that they are clearly still pretty good friends about it. Uh, the PR for the role comes up and, you know, she's an asshole. And she's like, oh, you work for digital media? Yeah, you'll be going last. Meanwhile, I and I think his name is Elliot. I think... I think Soldier Boy Tellum guy is named Elliot. He works for some type of media and he's oh yeah, he works in TV. So he's good. Meanwhile, Ella is getting treated like the redheaded stepchild. So she has to wait a whole two hours after the TV or after the film screening before she can ask some questions. Whatever. Elliot waits with her. And he asked her, like, you know, what did you think about the movie? And Elle's not impressed. She feels like it is the stereotypical a black woman has, you know, gone above and beyond to achieve everything in her career. And, you know, she's got a closet full of Louboutins, but now all of a sudden she's, like, she cares about fertility. Woohoo. And then she ends up falling in love with a sperm donor in a coffee shop. Ella's very unimpressed. And her hardball questions towards the actress who plays in the movie, which, number one, let me stop right there. Actress is gorgeous. I can't remember her name, but I know that she currently plays on The Godfather of Harlem with Forrest Whitaker. Either way, gorgeous woman. But, you know, Ella's giving the actress the hardball questions. And the actress is like, well, actually, if you think about it, the science behind black women and, you know, them freezing their eggs is not so much fear-mongering. But she's like, you know, I think black women who, while they might not have their romantic future figured out, if they know that motherhood is a thing, it is important for black women to be proactive instead of reactive when exploring their options. And I, for one, think that the actress was absolutely right. I feel like a lot of women prioritize motherhood over being a wife, which is absolutely fine. Like some women will say, I don't know if I'll find a man that I'll marry, but I do know that I want to be a mother. And I think it's very smart to say, so what am I going to do about this? I got everything else going on in my life. Why wait until, (laughs) like, why wait until I get to the place where I want kids or I'm ready? Like, why not plan ahead? So Ella kind of thinks about this. So they go to the spa for her birthday. And of course, they are all serving looks. These bathing suits are gorgeous. The accessories, which... I'm not really sure what they're doing. Like, they're by the pool, but they're not swimming. They're sipping champagne. It's just, yeah, it very much gives like, oh, I'm just here to look cute, which is fine, which is fine. So they start talking about, you know, fertility. And both Sunday and Whitney are like, you know, I'm not in a I'm not in a rush for kids. You know, if I have kids at 40, it's fine. Particularly Sunday is very much like my mom was born when my grandmother was in her 40s. So I'm not worried about <laughs> waiting to make a baby. Meanwhile, Ella's like, I just don't know. I want things to be a certain way. She's like, I want my life to be a romantic comedy where these certain things happen. And Renee is like, girl, you killing the vibe. This is depressing as shit. And she's like, I don't really think you should worry about that right now. You're 32. She's like, just have fun. (laughs) So they're having this conversation about sperm and, you know, fertility banks and surrogacy and eggs. And Whitney's like, oh my God, can we kind of like, you know, dial this back? These people looking at us crazy. And the old white men in the background are just laughing. They think it's funny. They end up telling, you know, Ella happy birthday and send her some champagne. And they're good sports about it. So that's the end of the spa, um, spa scene. We get to karaoke and Ella's boss 
Barb is the first person to show up. She starts singing Tina Marie's Ooh La La La. She's getting really into it. And that is when all the other friends show up. So Renee shows up. She's like, hey, Barb. And Barb's like, girl, I'm singing right now. But then Whitney and Ola show up in a couple's costume as Nellie and Kelly. And I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand why they dressed up. No one else dressed up. So that's why I was like very confused. But what else? Um, as I have said before, this show is very New York City. They like make references to Matt telling Sandy that like, wow, I really love you. I came below 110th Street on a Friday. And I don't know what that means. My, our New York listeners will have to tell us that. But he's like, you know, understand that I really do love you. And, you know, I'm here to enjoy it. Matt, being the old nigga he is, <laughs> he he performs um, Bonita Applebaum. No, no, no. Electric Relaxation by a Tribe Called Quest and Karaoke. And OMG, I am in love with Matt and <laughs> the way he's performing this. And all of a sudden, Community Peen shows up at the party. Yes, that's right. Community Peen Chris shows up. Apparently, Renee invited him because she remembered him from the Soldier Boy party. And apparently, Renee and Ella had already hooked up with Community Peen Chris. But they don't know that Whitney hooked up with him. So Whitney has been ghosting Chris since episode two. And he's like, so you just ghosting me now? Whitney tells Ella and Ella says, and I quote, my face stopped working. And I, I, same Ella, like when someone tells me something really outlandish and crazy, I lose all control of my face functions as well. And Ella's just like, I don't mind that you told me. I just wish you hadn't told me on my birthday, but whatever. So they go back into the party. (laughs) Ella is like, wow, whatever. So Sandy is singing damn Gladys Knight, If I Was Your Woman. And I'm just like, girl, Sandy, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Whatever. Matt, however, just eating it up. And I'm like, that's cute. You know, a lid for every pot. Chris tries to walk up on Whitney and she's like, oh, hi, like, I don't know you, but, you know, Chris is not going for it. And he's like, you know, why you being like that? So Whitney tells him that it was a mistake, that he should just forget it. And just in that moment, Ola takes the stage and he starts singing Prototype. And he dedicates the song to his fiance Whitney. And in that moment, Community Fiend's face is completely cracked. It's clicked. And it has clicked for him that black love dude from the bar is the fiance of his one night stand. He looks absolutely pissed and he ends up leaving the party. Um, I feel like if Renee invited him, I was I was kind of confused as to why Renee wasn't more like, where are you going? But whatever. Um, they do like a group performance of Don't Walk Away by Jade, aka my favorite 90s jam. And Barb, <laughs> Barb's wild ass. She takes a bottle from the party. She took the E&J, which Barb, you know better. So yeah, um, everyone kind of leaves. Well, Sandy and Matt leave before running into Anderson in the hallway. And all of a sudden, Anderson walks in and Ella is drunkenly singing Alanis Morissette's You Oughta Know. And Renee is pissed because she's like, I'm sorry, my voodoo really must be wearing off. Because how are you here two times? How are we seeing you like two times in a row? (laughs) Renee is upset. They find out that Ola is the one who invited him. So Whitney is pissed. Whitney, this would have been a good excuse to give Ola the blue balls treatment because God code does not supersede human code. Anderson broke Ella's heart. Therefore, he should not have been invited. But Ella's like, man, fuck this shit. I'm hungry and I'm starving. Anderson is just like, oh, I'm just here. Whatever. He takes her to some restaurant that the owner knows them well. And Ella starts gorging on this really delicious looking plate of mac and cheese. But it's just like she's not eating anything. So that was a weird scene. I don't know how to explain it. But it's just like she was eating, but like the plate 
the the amount of food on the plate was not moving. I don't know how to explain it. But she kind of just like tells Anderson that she's just really pissed off at him. And she tells him that it's ultimately because he told her a week before he was leaving seven whole days that he was going to South Africa for the summer. Anderson claims that he waited so long to tell her because Ella had just been dropped from her publisher, so he didn't want to make things worse. And then Ella's like, well, you say that you were gone for the summer, but you ended up staying for two years. And she's just like, why wasn't I enough to come back for? In that moment, Anderson says, that is exactly why why I have come back from South Africa, because I came back for you. The bartender and owner of the restaurant come and bring Ella a cupcake and Anderson tells her make a wish and that is where episode three ends. So right now we know that Whitney has now told someone that she fucked someone else (laughs) and we're just going to have to see how that plays out. Another thing that I forgot to mention is that Sandy has kind of really been pushing back against Professor Matt wanting to go public. Professor Matt thinks that it's very important that they go ahead and disclose their relationship to the university. Sandy feels like if she says this, it won't matter if she had already accomplished all of these things before she met Professor Matt. All people are going to care about in the present is that she was his student and, you know, they're smashing. Matt's like, well, technically, I've got a little bit more to lose because I could lose my shot at tenure. But also, if I lose my job here, I won't be able to get hired anywhere else. And so he's like, if I'm willing to give all that up, I feel like you should give it, you know, a fair evaluation. I just thought that was very interesting because we see in the trailer for next week, A lot of that stuff is going to start playing out. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens in episode four. Thank y'all for bearing with me. I hope y'all enjoyed this. Y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Auntie Ash. That is Auntie Ash underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. You can find Kiki at K-Dior and check out her Ready to Love reviews as well and pretty soon we'll be back with another joint episode but for now i hope y'all have a great rest of your week and thank y'all for listening to on the rocks bye